Yes, Lord. You're all I've ever needed. You're all I want. Help me know you are near. Can I sing it one more time? Let be your worship. You're all I want. Yes, Lord. You're all I've ever needed. You're all I want. Help me know you are me. That just seemed to go in my spirit. I appreciate it, Lee. I, I thought maybe you might have known about it. I've not sung that. We've not sang it. And it just seemed to be going to my heart. I'm standing there in that song. You're all I need, Lord. Help me know you're near. Help me know that you're near. Hallelujah. I think there's a lot of distractions going on. A lot of things going on that would possibly get people distracted. But I want you to know God hasn't given up on us. We're certainly not going to give up on him. Bible says I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We can go through anything and deal with anything through Christ Jesus. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. I, I just counted the great joy of being able to share the word of God with you tonight. And I just want to preach a little bit about the word and how important it is in our life, almost as though about, share a little bit about the word working. The word working. Let's just pray right now. Heavenly Father, thank you, Leah. Thank you so much, honey. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to be able to share your word to your people. God, I ask you, Lord, that you make everything come alive, whatever is going on, whatever is said. Help me, Father, to be able to share and express what is on my heart and what I feel is the word that you're wanting us to receive tonight. I believe, Lord, that through your word comes faith. And if there ever was something that God's people need more than ever before is for our faith to be elevated. And that can only happen by where we receive faith faith that comes from your word and lord we know your word gives us faith in you and faith to deal with anything that we may have to deal with now father anoint me in the name of jesus christ i ask you god amen and amen sort of made me think about today i did a graveside service um, kind of unexpectedly i was called upon i went out to the graveyard and a graveyard a cemetery out in um, heading out uh, down uh, North 7. Never been there before. I found it. I had to stop at a little market and find out, could you tell me where this Mount Zion uh, cemetery? I found out there are several cemeteries around here named <laughs> Mount Zion. I made it out there, and there was a family there, and you knew that the family probably didn't have a lot because there wasn't a lot of 
ceremony. They just wanted me to come and share a message. And it came to my mind, I'm not going to share it tonight, but it's just the account in Scripture in John chapter 6 where that Jesus begins to tell his disciples who are following him, which are many, he had many disciples at that time following him, he began to tell the crowd, he said, that you've got to accept me for who I am. I'm kind of paraphrasing it. That I'm literally going to be your sacrificial lamb. And I'm going to be your salvation. And that you must believe in my body and believe in my blood and what it's going to, what, what it's, what's going to happen. And they said, this is too hard. We can't bear this. And many people walked away, and there Jesus was standing there with just his... There's the 12 and those who were with that entourage. And he looked to his disciples. He said, you, are you going to leave also? Peter said something that's so amazing. He said, and I'm going to kind of paraphrase it. He said, where can we go? He said, who do we have? He, says, he said, you have the words of life. In other words... Where are we going to go from here, Jesus? You're the one that has the word and has the words of life. And America and our nation right now, many people wonder, where are we going to go from here? Well, I'll tell you what. We keep following Jesus. And we keep believing in him and his word. For he has the words of life. He will tell us about, he will lead us into the beyond. When things seem to be beyond us, we need to turn to the one who is the master of the beyond. And we know that the Lord will take care of us. He has the words of life. I challenge those people there. Many people standing there were sinners. It was obvious. And I challenge them to choose Jesus, to serve Jesus Christ. You know what? I'm, I guess blame it my experience now. But I got to tell you. I'm living in the last days. I'm not talking about my number. I'm talking about the number of days until the coming of the Lord. I'm living in the last days. I've done a lot of funerals. I've done a whole lot of funerals. I don't know how many I've done. I've done a lot over the years. And I've just made up my mind. If I don't say anything about salvation, then I just don't say anything at all. Because it's most important that people are saved we need to wake up and realize the truth of his word and people need to get saved i'm tired i don't know about you but I'm, i don't want to play games we don't have time to play games we got to wake up and let's get going in the lord and and see the great miracles and things that god's going to use us in hallelujah how many here want to be instruments of his glory hallelujah hallelujah Praise the Lord. I was thinking today, and I'm, I'm going to share about the word working. I had a memory, and the memory occurred to me the first time I ever went to a vacation Bible school. I was probably eight years old, and I went to a vacation Bible school. How many here have ever been to a vacation Bible school? You know. Now, when I went to vacation Bible school, it might be a little bit different what vacation Bible schools are now. You know, a little bit, maybe a little bit more tradition in it. 
And I showed up at the church. I was excited about it. My friends were all around. I knew nothing about Vacation Bible School. I just had somebody invite me. I thought I'd go to it. And I didn't know, and I didn't know about this church. I was, I, it was so unusual, the surrounding around me. I mean, here's all these kids outside. And we're supposed to go inside eventually. There's going to be a certain time where that, you know, Vacation Bible School, they used to have you march in first uh, in the sanctuary before they did anything else. And so all, of the, all the kids were outside and making noise and everything, waiting and everything. And all of a sudden, they started picking out a couple people. And they actually picked me. I mean, some adults picked me. And... What it was was that other kids, they were raising their hands. They wanted to be selected. They knew what was going on, but I didn't know what was going on. So I just stood there, and then I said, yeah, you, you, come here. Come with us. And I went with them, and as they took me inside the church, what they were planning on doing, well, actually, we were in the foyer of the church in the entranceway, and then all of a sudden, they handed me a Bible. It was the big church Bible. You know, the Bibles that were usually out on top of the communion tables that are ginormous. And when you're eight years old, that big old family Bible. You ever seen the big church Bible? I mean, the huge one, like family Bible. And, and everything usually sitting on the communion table. Well, they handed that thing to me in the foyer. And two of the other kids got to carry the one, the American flag, and the other one, the Christian flag. And I was carrying this big Bible. So the music started, the organ started playing, and the music started. And it was a song, the uh, first time I heard Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world, they started playing and singing that. And then all of a sudden the doors opened up, and I walked in, I was supposed to, I walked in in front of the American flag and the Christian flag, and then we lined up up front, and everybody was seated. Then they gave me the, a cue, eventually told me what to do because I didn't know what I was doing. I had this huge Bible trying to hold on to it, didn't know what to do with this thing, you know. Then they started in the, the beginning. They, they started off and they said, everybody stood and they put their hand over their heart. And they all, we all recited, I knew this, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Then the other one I wasn't too familiar with, but all of a sudden, everybody turned toward the Christian flag. And they looked there, and they looked, and they, they gave still that pledge there, and it says, I pledge allegiance to the Christian flag and to the Savior for whose kingdom it stands, one Savior, crucified, risen, and coming again with life and liberty to all who believe. Yeah. Oh, wow, y'all, that's, that's pretty powerful. But then someone, then it was the moment that everybody looked at me, and I'm holding this huge book, Bible, hardbound, huge thing. It's heavy. And then someone signals to me, adult says, open, open it up, hold it, hold it, hold it like this. So I had it in my arms, and and opened up that Bible and tried to grab the biggest one I got in my office. I probably got another bigger one, but I held one that was twice or three times this size, holding up my arm. 
and open up. And then they begin to say, I pledge allegiance to the Bible, God's holy word. I'll make it a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And I will hide its words in my heart that I may not sin against God. I thought, wow, you know, this is incredible. And, and eventually it was time I had to forfeit it and went to go sit down. But I'm telling you, that moment in time for me was a moment. It was a moment that I discovered some stuff that was really dynamic in my life. First of all, as a child, I realized that the Bible was a big book. That it was a big book with some important stuff in there and something powerful how I felt when I held it, the pages open and I held it open and there it was spread out in front of me, in front of everybody else. I realized the Bible was a, it was really was a big book. Then I realized that the Bible was a heavy book. Let me tell you, saint of God, the word of God is a big book. And if you think the things that are going on today is too complex, too surprising, too unusual, that it's not answered by the pages of this book, then you are sadly mistaken. I realized it was a big book. I realized it was a heavy book. It meant anything heavy was costly. Anything that has weight to it, has some value to it, a specialness to it, and a great price that came with it. And I realized that it was a heavy book. And I realized, too, that it was a special book, that it was a book that brought out important sayings and things that people would repeat. And I realized at that time that when I held over that Bible, that I knew that I was going and I was supposed to pay attention to this book and realize that this book is the most important thing of all. Shut down Facebook, shut down YouTube, shut down Google, shut down the social medias. Who cares? We've got the one and only true, faithful, weighty, glorious book called the Word of God. You shut down social media, you don't shut down the church. You shut down social media, you don't shut down God. I'm telling you, his word is eternal. Praise God. I just happened to, I just wanted to say that to you and just kind of reminisce for a moment. My experience, God's holy word. And we need to pledge an allegiance to it. We need to read it. We need to know it. We need to begin to digest it. We need to make it the center of our life, the center of our home, the center of our philosophy and ideas and opinions, the center of what we say, the center of what we listen to, the center of everything in our life. Let us put this book and take this book and use this book and read this book and allow this book to speak to us. Praise God. There's been a whole lot of rhetoric going on. But I'm telling you, this word is life-giving. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Civilizations can fall, but my word is going to be forever. It's going to be forever. 
I'd like for you to turn with me to 1 Thessalonians 2 and 13. Just remember that, that this is a, a word that's working. It still works, and it's working. It still works, and it's working. That, this word is going to save your family. This word is going to bring liberation to those who are bound. This word still works. This word is still stands. 1 Thessalonians 2 and 13. I'm going to read it from the NIV version. If it's a little different up there, I might have the old NIV. I don't know, but it's the NIV. Because <laughs> mine's at 2011. Maybe it's still old enough. Well, whatever it is, just listen to me. Read some of that and kind of get the message in the middle, okay? <clears throat> and we also thank God continually because when you receive the word of God which you heard from us, you accepted it not as a human word, but as it actually is, the word of God, which is indeed at work in you who believe. It's a word that's at work, a word that wants to do a work in us and begin to transform and change us. It's a word that when we receive it, it brings life and power and assurance. It brings authority. It brings what we need in our heart and in our life. It's at work. It's working on us. Is there anybody in the house that's been changed by the word of God? Oh, yeah. You weren't saved without the word. You were saved through the word of God and through the promise of the blood of Jesus Christ. But you, by the word of God, received your faith. By the word of God, your faith will grow. By the word of God, God will continue to work inside of you and with you. So if you don't like yourself very much right now, that's okay. Let the word of God begin to do something with you. I'm telling you, the word of God didn't do just something for me when I first got saved. But I'm telling you, several occurrences in my life, the word has enlightened me. The word has removed scales off of my eyes. The word of God has allowed me to know that I can live as a child of God and walk in the promises of that book. And the word of God just constantly is working on me. It's, it, 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 which indeed is at work in you who believe, Paul wrote. Back in the Old Testament in Psalm 1, 1 through 6. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. The ungodly are not, not so, but are like the chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish." Can I read this in the Message Bible? I kind of like the wording of this, how it's worded in Psalm 1, 1 through 6. 
how well God must like you. You don't hang out in the sin saloon. You don't slink along dead-end road. You don't go to the smart mouth college. Instead, you thrill to God's word. You chew on scripture day and night. You're a tree replanted in Eden, bearing fresh fruit every month, never dropping a leaf, always in blossom. You're not, not at all like the wicked who are mere windblown dust, without defense in court, unfit company for innocent people. God charts the road you take. God charts the road you take. The road they take is skid row. I like that. Instead, you thrill at God's word. You don't, uh, you don't hang out in the sin saloon, and you don't slink along dead-end road. You don't go to smart mouth college. Do anybody know some graduates from the smart mouth college? You know, you know, they're really good at it, smart mouth college. You know, they graduated from it. When I, when I acted like I graduated from smart mouth college, my mama uh, decided to remind me that I hadn't graduated from anywhere. <laughs> and that if I was going to learn, I was going to move forward in the school of hard knocks. And she was going to show me how it was going to be. Now, my mom, when she raised me, my mom got saved. She got saved after we got saved. But when she got saved, she got really saved. You know what I mean? Some people kind of get saved, and then other people, they just kind of go all out extremely saved. My mom got extremely saved. And doing so, she decided she's going to follow the Lord, and all of her children were going to follow God too. And she would straighten us up. My mom only was four foot ten. She was a short lady. When I was nine years old, I was as tall as she was. But I'm telling you, when we got older and we got taller than her, we still shook. When mama waved her finger, you listened to what she had to say. But you know what about my mama and the way I loved her and respected her was the fact that she had authority because she lived what she said. She had authority in teaching because she lived what she taught and she believed in the word of God when she was saved and she held on to Christ till God called her home. But I'm telling you that there are those who think that they're smarter than everybody else. You know, social media has created this profound amount of these intelligent philosophers who have so much to say, so much that they really don't say anything. They just share what someone else has said and post it and repost it, and then they walk away with a smirk and say, hmm, look what I have just said. Well, you've not said a word. Let me tell you, the words of human words and human intellect cannot reverse the path that our nation and the world is going in the only word that will make a difference the only word that will transform the only word that we have authority to speak in with the anointing of the Holy Ghost some people they get boisterous and they think they're anointed they're not anointed they're just mad but the fact is is that we can get anointed and become bold and boisterous with the anointing power of the Holy Ghost because this word is 
proven. This word is true. This word is forever. And you can rely on this unchanging world, word in this ever-changing world. I knew I'd do that if I had a Bible up here. I'd wave it a little bit. Amen. Notice what scripture says. It says that this person they're talking about, he says, his delight is in the law of the Lord. To me, that portion of scripture is saying what this person's made of, what they're all about. They long for the word. They desire the word, and they take joy in the word of God. And it says here in Psalms, in the original translation, or not original, but in New King James, it mentions the words walks and stands and sits. But I think a better way of saying it is went, stood, and sat. Because some commentaries believe that Psalm 1 is really talking about a transformation or transition of someone who used to do something but don't do it anymore. They used to be uh, walking the way of sinners and sit in the seat of scorner, scorner, those who scorn and, and to judge and used to be in the path of the ungodly. But now no longer they're no longer there. They used to do that. It's past. It's what used to be. And what brought them out of that condition was they delighted in the law of the Lord and meditated on that law day and night. You will not have transformation without this word. You will not have an adequate faith without this word. Let all worship songs stop and cease if it does not have this word. Because nothing is of great value without this word. And this word is going to carry us and going to bring faith in our life. How many here knows that you have an enemy that wants to bring you down? And God has fully equipped us so that we would be fully supplied with a word that is greater than any other word or thought or imagination that tries to get in our way. He, our weapons are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds because of the word of God, God's word. In other words, in this verse and psalm we read, it's telling us that there... There is a way out. You can change. There's a way out. You don't have to stay the same old negative way. But there's a way out from the negative to the positive. And God's word will take us there. It says in his law he meditates day and night. Let me tell you, a righteous man ponders the word of God. The righteous man remembers and remembers and thinks and remembers. It's there. It's part of our language. It's part of how we live. It's a part about where we're going to go today, what we're going to do today. It, it, it designs and draws out the purpose and meaning and direction in our life. God's word is everything to us. You go to the lands where the word of God is outlawed. 
You go to the communist nations where they will not allow the word of God to be given out. That precious saints of God are still being saved and they literally will take a page at a time. They'll get a Bible and take a page of it and hang on to it and pass it on to each other. So eventually everybody will have a Bible eventually and will read. They will cherish the pages of the word because they know the word of God is going to carry them. Our emotions has a lot to do with our singing. If you're not really up, you're going to have a hard time singing. And if you're in an environment where people are ready to rat on you and have you arrested and thrown into prison because you're a Christian, you're not going to sing a lot, you know, because they're going to discover you. It is history records uh, that when the Catholics were bringing pressure upon the Irish, and the Irish, they loved to dance. You ever wonder how they 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 do that dance, that river dance, and their arms are down their sides, and they do the clogging and the dancing. Their legs are going all over the place. Do you know where that evolved from? How that evolved was it was, out, it was illegal for them to dance, and there would be people who would tell on them and report them to the authorities, and they would be arrested. So what they would do, they had learned that they could move around in the house, and their arms would be to their sides, and they would kick away and move away and jump like they moved those legs like crazy, but from the sides, it looks like they're walking, but they're not walking, they're dancing. That's how that evolved was that there was a pressure that said an authority and law that was ridiculous said you cannot dance it's illegal but they danced anyway God's people have got to make up their mind today not tomorrow not next year not until another time or next month but we have got to make up our mind that we are going to dance and we're going to move in faith and believe in the word of God and no matter what Washington may say the White House may say or Congress may say or what anybody says and lately you don't know who to believe in there is one whom you can believe and his name is Jesus the one the alpha and the omega the beginning and the end I'm telling you we're going to get down to business if anything this time that we're living in, Christians are going to get down to business. Hallelujah. 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 Praise the Lord. Now notice what he says, that this man does meditate day and night. That word and love of the word is that it's, it's on him, it's in him. He ponders upon it and thinks about it. He does not just hear it and forget it. He thinks about it. He thinks about it. Let me tell you, encourage you to memorize verses. Let it be some of your answers to people. Let it be a part of your talk. Let the word of God be a part of your talk. And when you and I do that, then we have God's authority and power and anointing in our life. Christians should meditate on God's word. In Eastern religions that use meditation, the goal of Eastern meditation groups, the goal is to empty the mind. Empty the mind. Empty it. But that's dangerous. That is dangerous to empty the mind. 
because an empty mind may present an open invitation to deception or a demonic spirit. I'm not trying to put fear in you. I'm just telling you. The world tells you you need to meditate. Seems like any more prayer when it's represented in a TV commercial, it's always somebody in meditation and in that pose. Nobody can be on their knees. I guess it's not, it's just not popular to be a Christian on your knees praying in a commercial in a country that has promoted Christianity around the world. You know, it's, it's, it amazes me. It's almost comical. It's, it's funny, but meditation makes you want to just lose your mind. You know, lose your mind. Now, I mean, sometimes, I got to admit to you, sometimes I lose my mind. I used to when I had vanilla ice cream topped with some strawberry topping. I kind of lost my mind, you know, for a moment there, for a few moments. You know, just, you know, how many here can relate to me about that? Amen. I'm sure just like me, you've been repenting, haven't you? Amen. It's just, it's okay. Ice cream is not from the pits of hell. It's actually a great blessing. It's a great, how many, every good gift comes down from the Father of lights. Amen. Hey, boy, I got a big amen on that one. My goodness. Praise the Lord. But it's dangerous when you empty your mind, you present an open invitation to deception or demonic spirit. There are people who are coming to me and have come to me over the years of my ministry and have told me, God has said this and that to me. But I can show them a place in Scripture where God doesn't talk that away. God doesn't believe that away. God doesn't direct when I say the certain thing they tell me. It is contradictory to Scripture. And so therefore what it is, they've been meditating, but they haven't been filling the empty spot with the Word of God. But here this man, he meditates day and night on the Word of God. And the Christian meditation, we meditate, is the goal is to fill your mind with the Word of God. And this can be done if we will carefully think about each word and phrase, applying it to ourselves and praying it back to the Lord. It becomes a language, a discussion, a talk. But even at times when you pray, open your Bible and pray your word. Start reading, and then the Lord starts speaking. You start praying. Let the word and prayer go hand in hand. John 6 and 63, Jesus said, It is the Spirit who gives life. And the flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. Psalm 107 and 19 and 20 says, Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them out of their distresses. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. We need the word of God. Brings healing. Brings salvation. Brings deliverance brings everything from heaven is 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 given through the word of god through the promise of his word there are four places that we we must have the word of god in four places the first place is the word should be first in our minds romans 12 1 2 and the reason why is because before it can reach your heart it's going to hit your mind you know, you hear it with your ears, and where's your ears? You know where your ears are. It's the first thing we, we asked our grandsons when they were little. Where's your nose? Where's your eyes? Where's your ears? And they pointed their ears. And so the ears are in the head. So when you hear something, it goes to the head and the mind first. 
So we need to let it be in our minds, as Paul wrote in Romans 12, 1 and 2, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I am determined in 2021 that I'm going to prove what is the acceptable and perfect will of God in my life. Do I have anybody joining me that you yourself, you decide that 2021, I'm not going to waste this year. I'm not going to listen and, and let the CDC tell me every step I must take. It. I'm going to take command. I'm going to take the step and I'm going to allow the word of God to begin to transform me, renew my mind, and, and to direct my life. Hallelujah. In the law and meditates day and night, Scripture says, we must receive the word first in our minds to know the word. We do this by, first, we hear the word. Second, we read the word. And thirdly, we should know the word of God. We use our minds. It, it gets to our minds. In the second place, of course, you know, is that we must know the word. We need and must have the word of God in our hearts. Now, knowing is not so much in the mental intellect. Knowing is that is in your spirit. There is a knower. There's a, a confidence, a, a, a for sureness. You know that you are saved. You know because by faith, your faith has grown and you've allowed the word of God to reach your heart. And the Bible has said that if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive, us, your, forgive you your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And because of that, you know now you have the word of God in your heart and so knowing is believing you know that you know that you know the devil don't like it when God's people really know the devil doesn't like it when I mean we can have some head knowledge but when we know it we're willing to die for what we believe in we're willing to stand up against opposition because we know that we know that we know the word of God is true we know that Jesus reigns supreme we know that there there is a heaven to gain and a hell to shine. We know that there's forgiveness of our sins. We know that we are temples of the Holy Ghost and we know that God has made us with a purpose and a meaning that he can bring out fulfillment in our life. We know it. We know it. We need and must have the word in our hearts. Psalm 119, 10 and 12. With my whole heart I have sought you. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. Your word I have hidden in my heart that I may not sin against you. Blessed are you, oh Lord. Teach me your statutes. The word of God will keep us secure and keep us firm and keep us strong. In our minds we can know the word, but in our hearts we believe the word. You ever heard someone say, well, that's a, that's a rhema word? That's a rhema word. Have you ever heard that in church? Someone said, that's a, that's a rhema word. Well, what is a rhema word? There are two primary Greek words that describe Scripture, which, are, which is translated word in the New Testament. The first word and translation, meaning word in the New Testament in the Greek, is the word logos, which refers primarily to the total inspired word of God and to Jesus, who is the living word. 
Logos is found in John 1 and 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Logos is found now in Luke 8 and 11. It says, now the parable is this, the seed of the Word uh, the seed is the word of God, the logos of God. When Jesus shared the parable of the sower of the seed. In Philippians 2 and 16, Paul wrote, he said, Holding fast the word of life, the logos of life, so that you may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. In Hebrews 4 and 12, some of you can quote this verse of scripture. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and to the joints and the marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The word of God, the logos, is the living and powerful word of God. Now the second word, the second Greek word meaning word is rhema, which refers to spoken word. Rhema literally means an utterance from God, an utterance. It's individually, collectively, and specifically given an utterance from God. We find rhema in passages of Scripture such as Luke 1 and 38. Then Mary said, Behold the maid servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word, to your spoken word, let it be to me. And the angel departed from her. In Acts 11 and 16. Then I remembered the word of the Lord. How he said John indeed baptized with water. But you shall be baptized in the Holy Spirit. He remembered the spoken word. That this was going to happen. God will speak to us. He'll use the logos. And use it with rhema. That it will speak to us as we know the truth of his word and existence of him, but suddenly it becomes uh, personal. How many here knows, have you ever had that moment when God has given you a word? He, he kind of whispered some way, dropped it in your spirit, put it in you, but it was a word that came alive. You were reading the Bible and all of a sudden, wow, bam, I can't believe it. Wow, you know, God just spoke to me because of was a rhema word speaking to you. God will speak to you. And if he gives you a personal word, it will go hand in hand with the written word. It will never contradict it. But I will tell you uh, that the rhema word many times in this life that we live and the times that we live, it's that moment where it becomes contemporary. Spoken to us. Spoken to us in a moment. Spoken to our situation and where we're at. It's a rhema word. You ever had a whisper before? You ever had an impression before? That's God. He's speaking his word. Thirdly, the word needs to be in our mouth. Romans 10 and 8 through 10 says, but what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. There's three persons that need to hear us speak the word. First person is you must hear yourself confess the word. Something happens when you make it your confession, you speak it. You know, when we talk, we really believe 
there's a reason for us to talk. Those who don't feel like they, you know, they're, and then we've seen and it's evident people have talked and there's no one they're talking to and they're talking to some imaginary person and we think something's wrong with them. And the Lord will give you utterance and tell you to say something to somebody and you'll be backward and awkward about it because you know what it is God's trying to teach you. You need to hear yourself speak the word. You need to speak it. You need to speak it. You need to preach it. This room doesn't have a handful of preachers in here. This church doesn't have a selected few of preachers. This church is all anointed to be preachers of the word of God and allow their pulpits to be their desk at work or the counter at work or the Walmart shopping scene or anywhere you go, it becomes your place where you share the word of God. Speak the word. Speak it. Hallelujah, you need to hear it. Jude 1 and 20 says, But you, beloved, building up yourselves in the most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. This is what weightlifters do, you know, and football players. They go and they speak to those weights before they even touch them. You're going up. I'm going to pick you up. You're coming up. I'm going to do this. Going to do this. Going to do this. Football players go out on the field. They've been inside the locker room. You know what they've been doing. They've been beating each other on top of their pads and say, we're going to win. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. We're going to win. It's part of their confession before they ever touch anything or do anything. And that's what we have to do in our life, that when we need to speak to our opponents, that, and, and we need to speak as though we can do it. We can do it in the name of Jesus Christ. Speak the word of God. We need to hear it. Jesus said for us to speak to the mountains in our life, that they be removed and cast into the sea. We need to speak the word of God. Then the devil needs to hear, to hear us speak the word too. Oh yeah. We need to, you know, we need to remind him what the word says. First Peter 5 and 9 says, Whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. This is how Jesus dealt with the devil was during his temptation. He spoke the word of God. We need to speak God's word to the devil and he'll flee. He'll flee. Thirdly, the last person God needs to hear us speak the word. 2 Corinthians 1 and 20 says, For all the promises of God in him are yes and in him amen. To the glory of God through us. When he hears us speak his word, he says yes. He says yes, yeah. And all his promises are yes and they're amen. Yes and settled. That's it. God provides for us. When we say amen with God, we're agreeing with his word. I'm just going to read some more scripture. Is that okay? Matthew 18, 19 says, Again, I say unto you that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that, that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. And in Isaiah 57, 19, I create the fruit of the lips. Peace, peace to him that is afar off and to him that is near, saith the Lord, and I will heal him. Isaiah 59, 21 says, As for me, this is my covenant with them, saith the Lord, my spirit that is upon thee and my words that which I have put in your mouth shall not depart out of your mouth nor out of the mouth of your seed nor out of the mouth of the seed. Seed, says the Lord, from henceforth and forevermore. 
declaring, speaking from seed to seed, from father to son, the son to grandson, grandson, great-grandson, on and on and on, speaking the word of God. I think we're waking up and realizing the school systems cannot raise our children. And our governments cannot find and even explain what is right. They do not know from right and wrong anymore. They're on a path of darkness that they're deciding that they're going to create the agenda. And whatever is written in this book does not matter to them. As long as they can keep their job, that is all that they care about. And the distrust spirit that is in America, it will never be regained and vanquished completely. Because man is never enough to tear down distrust. You can have the greatest of presidents, but he can be a flawed person. He is flawed from the very beginning because he is man. But we've got to decide that we're going to pass on to our generations, to generations, to generations, the blessings of the Lord, the authority of God, the understanding of righteousness and the ways of the Lord. And we do it through the word of God. So parents, live it. Live it. I know the responsibility seems to be heavy, but I want to tell you, do you really think what you do it's not a ministry. You need the anointing of the Holy Ghost. And you need to operate through the Word of God. It is a ministry. It's not a task. You're actually be allowed to direct the future. And God will give us the power for us through His Word. Thy Word, I hid my heart. But I won't sin against you, Lord. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You know, I pray God will help our nation. I pray for our leaders. I pray for, for looks like a new president. I'll pray for him. We need to pray God protects him. These are, these are uh, weird, but, you know, negative times. And someone may think that they're doing the right thing, but it's the wrong thing. We need to pray, God, move, because he's, he's, he's called us to pray for those in authority. And we're going to pray for them, God, help them. But I think it's time we start really finding out what are we supposed to do in life and where are we going. And we get our eyes on him who is the author and finisher of our faith. It's Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. The Lord will take care of you and yours. His promises are true. You can believe and stand upon his promise. And his promise is true. And praise the Lord for that. So praise God for his word. I don't have the big Bible that I held when I was eight years old. I don't have it with us tonight. 